0: Thank you for tuning in to the Coaching York podcast. To find out more about who we are, what we do and how we do it, please go to coachingyork.co.uk. That's coachingyork.co.uk.
1: Welcome back to the Coaching York podcast with me, Jeremy Lewis.
0: And with me, Jeff Ashton. Welcome back to the pod. Jess, how's life in sunny Ilkley?
1: Well, life is good, uh, but the weather, I think... Uh my Scottish colleagues would say is Drich. We seem to be caught between storms at the moment when at the time that we're recording this. So it's pretty grim.
0: Drich, Never heard that one before. There you go. You you learn all kinds of different languages when you join these podcasts.
1: But apart from all that, there are lots of great cafes in Ilkley. And last year you and I met up in one to think about some podcasts to illustrate some straightforward and really useful coaching approaches. So this one and the next one take as their starting point two universal social conventions. Firstly, saying thank you. And the one we're going to do just now, apologies.
0: Apologies. And looking at that, there's three areas we want to think about. So there are, uh, to begin with, there are apologies that aren't really apologies at all. And secondly, there's the question of how to craft a really good apology, if that's what you want to do. Uh, but where we want to start is to think about the very British social convention of saying sorry. So when I talk to students from the Far East studying the UK, I'll often ask them to tell me something they consider to be particularly British. So here's a little quiz question, Jess, if you're coming from the Far East of the UK, three things that you would say are typically British, what would you go for?
1: Oh, cracky! Um, fish and chips would probably have to be there. And I guess queuing up. Maybe queuing up for fish and chips is top. Um, given today's subject, there must be something about apologising as well.
0: Uh, three
1: out of three. Uh, so the first two, yeah, fairly obvious.
0: Uh, the third one, I, I'm always intrigued how often um, people from the Far East will say they find it extremely funny and amusing that when British people apologise when there's nothing to apologise for, so a Brit will bump into you in the street and they'll say, even if it's their fault, they bump into you, they'll the Brit will turn and say, "Oh, I'm so sorry."
1: So it, it it really is crazy when you stop and think about it. When we say sorry, then, what do you think we're really saying? Um, I, I have to say, I very consciously stopped saying sorry for no reason some time ago. I used to do a lot of work traveling the country on trains. And there's a particular period of time I was traveling from Leeds to Birmingham every week or Leeds to Sheffield every week. And there's a particular train, I'm sure some of the listeners will know it, that goes, I think, from Dundee to Plymouth or some such thing. Some cross-country train that weaves its way up and down the country from northeast to southwest every day. Um, And it's particularly busy between sort of Newcastle and Birmingham. I think I've done it both ways, quite some distance beyond that as well. Anyway, getting on at sort of rush hour time in Leeds to get to Sheffield or Birmingham uh, was a proper bun fight. And I would always reserve a seat and you'd fight your way to your seat and you could hear people. You could hear always people saying. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I think you're in my seat. And I'm thinking, you know, damn well, someone's in your seat. What's all this? Why are you sorry that someone's taken your seat? So I deli- very deliberately stopped doing it. Um, and I crafted my own little words that would simply state the facts of the case. Excuse me, I have this seat reserved. And 19 times out of 20, The person would apologize or say something like, I just sat down to see if it was taken, because you never know when people uh, don't turn up for their book seats and they would get up and move. And it was never very, very, very rarely a problem. And it felt better being assertive than apologizing for something that I'm not sorry for. Someone's taken a reserved seat. Why would they do that? Well, they might do it for very practical reasons, but it's them that should be sorry for taking your seat, not you that should be sorry for asking for something that you have reserved for yourself.
0: Yeah, actually, it's interesting you mentioned that train journey, because uh, I had an occasion there when I was sitting in a reserved seat. I was sitting next to a colleague and we're coming up to the station from which the seat was reserved. And so I would said to my colleague, Look, I'll just get out and see if anybody turns up. Sure enough, somebody did turn up. It was a certain Roy Keane, who <laughs> was the, uh, the then manager of Middlesbrough, I think, and um, a footballer who had the reputation of taking no prisoners on the pitch. So I think if I'd have been sitting in his seat, he wouldn't have said, oh, I'm never so sorry, you seem to be in my chair. i to think what he would have said, but anyway, there we go.
1: Well, th- th- yes, I-, I guess context specific.
0: OK, so um, here we seem to have our first situational coaching tip, which is if you want to become more assertive in a non-threatening way, Go go and find a small but common way of building your self-confidence. And one of the ways you could do that is by coming up with an alternative, as Jess has been describing, an alternative to saying sorry for things you don't need to say sorry for.
1: Yeah, indeed. I am reminded of something I learned uh, some time ago. I think it was in in training to be a facilitator of group sessions and that sort of thing. Um, And it's all about learning how to say no. Um, it's a very similar thing. This idea of apologising, or, or you know, it's that confidence, that assertiveness, and the the tip I was given was: if you want your yes to mean something, you've got to learn how to say no. And I think it's the same with apologising. If you want your heartfelt apology to mean something, then stop saying sorry as a way of not taking responsibility for our own feelings, and do that in a grown up way, which I think is just stating, just stating what's going on. I mean, you're not even stating feelings; you're just stating the facts of the case aren't you
0: and uh, it's an interesting one of this because we've got um we've got a, a some ukrainian refugees staying in our street uh, and i was um doing a bit of research in from you know jackie black one of our colleagues did some some work on um understanding ukrainian culture and one of the things you'll find about ukrainians is they are very very direct they're like the dutch and so if that so if they don't you know if you give them a cup of tea and they're sugary they don't like sugar they'll just say there's sugar in this tea i don't like it and just because they're just saying, well, that's the way it is. And rather than this various British social convention of um, this seems to be a little sweeter than I'm used to. Do you mind if I um, have something else? Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so being uh, having the confidence simply to say what what is the case? And not to be uh, not to be shy about that is, is a good way of building, uh, building confidence and, and security in yourself.
1: So. um So, yeah, apologizing when we don't need to. There are other ways. I think we should go on also to when it's appropriate to apologise and how to do it and how not to do it. And I believe, Jeff, you've had some Greek, some Greek for us from your university education.
0: Yeah, well, we've had Scottish, Gaelic, so we'll have a bit of Greek now. So our <laughs> English word to apologise is, as I'm sure um, our most erudite listeners will know, is from the Greek word apologia. So it's one of those uh, curious words which uh, it means a defense and interestingly it can imply two types of speech the purposes of which are entirely opposite so on the positive side it can be a defense with the intention of taking responsibility for an action or repairing damage to a relationship and negatively it can be a way of avoiding the consequences of an action so either by minimizing the offense or shifting the blame to somebody else you come across either the negative aspects Jess?
1: yeah that that idea of shifting it across i think there's some absolute classics out there there's things like i'm sorry but and the but there is to disconnect the speaker from what they've done and open up a new di- direction you know it's uh, it's about shifting blame i'm sorry but you made me do it i mean they you know they do say everything before the but is bull they can be ignored right he's saying this is i'm i'm going to give you a little pleasantry and then i'm going to tell you what i really feel uh, so that's one, look out for the but. There's I'm sorry if as well. Similar, oh, I'm sorry if I offended you. So you don't, you're not accepting that you offended me. You're just saying, if that happened, I would be sorry. So it's kind of conditional sort of statement. Um, what someone's really saying is, that, yeah, don't, I didn't do anything wrong. It's all in your head. It's only an issue because you're making it an issue. Um, so there's the buts and the ifs. And then I think there's there's a deflective sorry as well. I did something majorly wrong. This is a good one that you hear from the politicians a lot. That is something majorly wrong, but I'll skirt around it by apologising for something else, which is minor. So uh, an example might be, uh, I embarrassed you in front of your colleagues and staff. I'm sorry I did that on your birthday. But suddenly it's about this little thing that oh you know it's okay to it might be okay to do, it, but not on your birthday. So yeah, a few examples there.
0: All right. So we've all, we've all been on the on the wrong end, if you like, of of an apology that's not really an apology. So uh, some tips for our listeners, Jez, if you find yourself in that situation, how might you respond?
1: Uh, I think the first thing I'd say is it's really quite difficult because in essence, they're making it all about themselves and not really listening to you. Um, Fake apologising is is like a controlling behaviour. So what you really need to know is whether that person cares about you at all. And for me, that means offering your vulnerability to find out ask them that you'd like to tell them about how the situation made you feel as openly, as honestly as you can, and then do that. And when you do that, you'll see whether they respond in an open and honest way back. So example, when you did this, uh, it made me feel this way. And when you apologize, it felt like you didn't really mean it and then say what you'd like to happen. So you might say something like, uh, I want our friendship to be one of openness and honesty and trust. In effect, you're you're staying in the adult. You're taking an adult position because all this fake apologizing is trying to control. So it's like a parent-child transaction. It's like a, you're trying to be a controlling parent. So just responding in the adult, you know, holding people to account for being in the adult, uh, is the way that 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 you do that. And I think it's about offering a little bit of vulnerability. Oh, that makes me feel. It's okay to say how things make you feel. What I'd like to happen is that kind of thing. Uh, what do you say, Jeff, to all of that? What would you do?
0: I mean, that's you know, I really, I think that's a really great summary. I, I think the the way I I would describe it was in the best tradition of coaching. I think I'd be exploring how to hold up a mirror to the person who's doing the apologising. Uh, so this could start with the apology itself. This is what you actually said, and then refer back to what was done. And if there's a gap between the two, well, what's the gap? What's the consequence? And I think it's always good to point out what what was it that actually happened? What were the immediate consequences? And what are the ongoing consequences of not, as I put it, clearing up the mess that someone else has caused? So we might be talking about judgment. Did the person apologizing really understand the level of seriousness? What they did, where that's the issue. Uh, Do they have an appreciation of the effect that they had on the relationship? And there's a general tip, which is if you think you're going to get an evasive or half-hearted apology about something that's important to you, then uh, talk through with a third party before you have a conversation with the person who you think is going to be evasive or or possibly offensive and think about what you want from that conversation and how it might go. And you know, very much sort of finishing off what you did on yours, Jess, talking about, so, so how do I want this relationship to pan out? What do I want from the relationship? Because apologising, you know, at its best, it's about, um, restoration and restitution and making things right
1: yeah and that third party i guess could be a coach so look out for opportunities to help people through this uh, this world of fake apology in your coaching i guess we should leave it there for now thanks to our listeners for tuning in and we'll come back next time with how we're going to craft a really great apology when you're the one who needs to give it